It's Mike Crawford. It's the Young Jerks. It's 5 p.m. on Sunday. We're right on time at a different time. Lots happening. We may change times more often this summer, but it's okay. Sometimes we may even take weeks off, which we just did. We took some time off. I took a little couple weeks off. But we came back big last night uh, with Jill Stein. We got a lot going on. We got, we're got we covering a lot of stories. We got a lot of irons in the fire, I think is the term. I don't know. Maybe I'm right. Tell me if I'm wrong. I don't know. But that's what we got. We got a lot going on. We also have Grant Smith. I want to thank Grant Smith. He's working with us. Uh, Midnight Mass on several stories we're working on right now in the cannabis angle. We're also uh, got some political stories, some labor stories, covering a lot of different stuff right now. So if you want to check it out, support us, midnightmass.substack.com. Also, you can follow us everywhere, our podcast, The Young Jerks. You know where we're at, especially iTunes. Please, if you really like the show, the biggest thing you can do is to review us on iTunes. Give us a rating. Let us know that you like us because that goes far. That helps us get more listeners than you can ever believe. It's like one review means we get way more listeners. It's awesome. Thank you for supporting us. Again, my name is Mike Crawford. I'm the host. Been away a little bit, but now we're back. And it's hot in here. It's hot outside. But I think we're going to have an, another exciting, fun show. Got a lot to cover. We'll probably talk about what happened up in... Uh, the North Shore Marblehead, Massachusetts, last night with myself and Riccio and Jill Stein and Lee Camp and the Green Party and the Russians. <laughs> uh, we're probably going to talk a lot about cannabis, but we're going to also talk about politics and, and campaigns in the city of Boston because we have a young man right here who's, uh, I think he's young. We'll find out. He looks pretty young to me. Yeah. <laughs> he's running for city council of uh, in the city of Boston. Uh, in a district that I like, I, I lived there very shortly for like a month or two. Uh, I've always loved this district. A lot of my friends, you know, booked a lot of events there. It's the cool place. It's always been a great place to live. Uh, if you can stand the noise, <laughs> if you can stand the parties. Uh, but his, this gentleman's name is Lee uh, Nave Jr. Uh, he's running for District 9, uh, Boston City Council in Alston, Brighton. Uh, which is going to be an open seat. Uh, Mark Ciamo is the current city councilor of that district, so it's a it's a definitely a, a really contested election for a seat that uh, people are really interested in this campaign. So I'm really excited to have you. Uh, welcome, Lee Nave Jr. Hey, thank you very much for having me. Uh, I'm really excited to uh, talk to you a little bit about you know what I'm hoping to do if elected as city council over there. <laughs> Why did you decide to? First of all, let me ask you: How old are you? Because I did mention your age. Oh yeah, so I'm. I just turned thirty last week. You no, know, so you're not that young. Yeah, yeah, I'm old now. Yeah, you're yeah. getting up pretty soon. You'll be old like me. Yeah, you'll, yeah, you'll, yeah. you'll, you'll, you're at the age where you can start a show called The Young Jerks, and then <laughs> later on be like, oh man, that wasn't such a good idea. Uh, the show has been around a little longer, and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're at that pivotal age, thirty. That's a good age. So, why did you decide to run for city council at age thirty? So I decided to run uh, for city council age 29. Uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I decided to run because uh, I work in. Uh, I've been doing a lot of work on juvenile justice, education policies for uh, well over a decade now, um, and I I've worked with um, legislators and folks who are in power, and I've seen a lot of issues on uh, getting things passed, uh, getting major reforms passed due to the leadership and the uh, jumps and hurdles you have to get through to get anything uh, done. And so I'm hoping as a city councilor, I can help alleviate that, uh, help 
be a person who understands the issues that are impacting the community as best of my ability and make decisions that uh, are progressive in nature, but also are helping communities and community members themselves feel like they were involved in a process. Awesome. Uh, you mentioned that you have worked uh, with juveniles. Yeah, on, on reform. Yeah, reform. Yeah. What types of things? Like what? what like <coughs> tell us about that. So, I work for an organization called Citizens for Juvenile Justice. I currently, I'm still doing part time work because, and I'm I'm not rich enough to completely go full time yet. I will be soon though. But um, I do. Uh, I've been doing a lot of advocacy and legislative work um, and research and community focus groups and. One of the big things that my organization worked on last year was the criminal justice reform bill at the state house that yeah. got passed. And so we run the juvenile justice coalition for the entire state, which is made up of like 40, almost 50 organizations that help young people all around the state. And we run the coalition. So we help set the policies. We're the ones who go to the state house and talk to the legislators and be like, hey, this is how the community feels. Um, this is what needs to be done. And we're the ones who got all the coalitions, got all the bills, and worked on this. That's awesome, because that was major. It's made a big difference. Yeah. I, I love it. When, and I'm glad that Jeff Cooner and WRKO is so upset about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, because we've seen what, you know, the criminal justice system has done to so many families. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's and it has been historically. There's no question about it. Like even just looking at uh, the way they uh, sentenced people for crack and powder powder cocaine, yeah, it's the yeah. same thing. It's the same okay. exact thing, but uh, it just always turns out to be a racist uh, undertone. You know, mm-hmm. whenever you look at it. But um, I, would you like? You know, one of the things I would love to do is to get more of those local groups that you're working with mm-hmm. on this show oh, yeah. to talk about this because. I think the stories that I think that's the big thing is when people hear the human mm-hmm. stories. I mean, you've 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 must come across a lot of different stories. And oh my gosh! What so, are, what are some of the stories that people need to hear around criminal justice that you come across? Uh, it's a huge mix because I I've, I I'm the person who does the I I've collected testimonials. I've done focus groups all around the state, and so I've heard stories of there's moms who've told me that her child being taken away and put in DCF is what led that particular child's particular child to uh, his murder uh, because he was in the system. He was taken away from what she believed to be a stable enough home and things happened to him while he was in DCF and then he was in DYS and it was just this whole cycle that continued due to system involvement. And by the time she got her child back after a year or so, it was like a, she said it was like a whole new person and not months later he got gang involved and this led to him um being taken away D- dys to gang killed i yeah. mean that's basically the the, the pipeline yeah it, yeah it's just like I, i've heard stories like that i've heard young people who've been unfairly treated by of course police officers uh teachers they just weren't uh considered in decisions that impacted their lives and this kind of frustration led the young person to act out even more later oh, on. I, I can so relate to that. Mm-hmm. I'll give you one of my zero tolerance stories that drove me crazy. I used to be a high school wrestling coach and a mm-hmm. teacher, and I was a head coach. Uh, sometimes I wonder if I shouldn't say too much because, you know, it's you're not supposed to talk about the kids like this sometimes. Yeah. But I think it's really important. And I think if uh, this person heard the story, and I don't think anyone's going to be identified here, but, you know, basically... Uh, a kid turns his, turns it around. A, a, a kid that had a rough, rough upbringing, yep. you know, that was exposed to all the bad stuff, right, at mm-hmm. a young age. 
and he's around 15, 16 years old, and uh, he's in the sport, doing awesome at the you know sport we coach, which is wrestling. He's on the wrestling team. He's on the varsity team. You know, he's doing. And for the first time, we had like tough teachers coming up to us in the school saying, "I don't know what you did with that kid, but now he's like studying instead of fighting and getting mm-hmm. kicked out of the class every day. He's like asking me for extra credit and reading, and he's like actually doing all the things that he should have been doing the yeah. whole time." <laughs> And so the one thing, though, he's he still, he was addicted to cigarettes. Mm. Pretty early on at 15, you yeah, 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 even earlier than that. Oh, yeah. You know, he had started when he was like 12, probably. Mm-hmm. And so we know how, I mean, you know, I have a, I have a nicotine issue myself, so I, I know how hard that is to quit, yeah. you know, for us adults, so a child. So, you know, basically what happened is uh, one, the principal at the school, drove by, who didn't like me, by the way, drove by the, sco- drove by the kid's bus stop before school and saw him smoking a cigarette mm-hmm. basically kicked him off the wrestling team without talking to the parents without talking to me without talking to the teachers just it's zero tolerance because oh the kid got in trouble last year and i don't like him so this is a second offense and it's like you know what and and what happens to that kid mm-hmm. and we all know what happened to that kid yeah. he went it, from everything going right to backtracking and it's like we throw away these these kids for things that are so stupid like where was the tobacco sensation program? That's mm-hmm. what they should have offered the kid. Yeah, yeah. Said, here's some nicotine gun. Try to stop. Let's let's even try to limit your cigarettes. You know, let's nothing. Instead, it's zero tolerance. And I think things hopefully have changed, but I'm not so sure. Like I think a lot of the high school sports and the drama and all those mm-hmm. extracurricular activities, they exclude a lot of those kids that they're intended the most for. Like the those are the kids that we should want wrestling. Exactly, because it saved me, and I've seen it save a lot of, you know, whether it's wrestling or or whatever it is, art, drama, mm-hmm. theater, computers, radio. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, whatever it is, your love, like that's what we should be pushing kids to. So I'm sure you know when you when you talk about these things, it's like I could so relate. Oh yeah, it's just like there there has been a um, the last few years. There's definitely been more pushes for um, finding alternative responses to just no tolerance automatically go in the system or getting suspended. Um, but there needs to be a lot more, like you, you mentioned this particular situation, a young person wasn't even allowed to, you know, discuss like why they're, you know, why they smoke. Like there's definitely a reason why that person was smoking. He was addicted. He was addicted. For a couple of years. So, I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, and now he wants to quit cause he is wrestling. And yeah. <laughs> And then you, you had your, you know, you had intervention. You, you, you mentioned. And it like wasn't even, you know, it'd be changes. one thing too if it was like in the school bathroom or something. Yeah, that's yeah. like, oh, you know, uh, uh, it was, it was before school, outside, you know, at, in front of his house at the bus stop. You know what I mean? The teacher driving by. Wait, wait, it wasn't. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is the stuff that just yeah. like, you know, you wonder if the principal didn't drive by on purpose to mm-hmm. bust this kid. I mean, it's just, it's really bad. Yeah. But we're, we're getting off track because yeah. I definitely <laughs> want to talk a lot of other things. So your, your background, uh, you worked with the group to, to help push this criminal justice reform. Tell us more about like what that is and what that entails because okay. I want people to, we, we've discussed it on this mm-hmm. show, but I don't think everyone's aware. Like yeah, the yeah. state of Mass recently did do some big reforms. And I, I'll, I'll talk mostly from the juvenile justice end, the, the part that I worked a lot on. Um, so we raised the lower age of a young person going into the system. Um, young people used to be able to be arrested at seven for huh. for anything, and mostly a lot of lot of from seven to. How do you put someone in jail <laughs> and arrest them at seven? Like, it, it, I, that's crazy. You yeah. can't sign any contract at seven. 
No, yeah, exactly. And like it was mostly the, you, you, you are not licensed for anything in this world at age seven. So why no. are you held liable for? That's insane. Yeah, like that's it. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> age we, seven in Massachusetts. Okay. Yeah. They, so they we, were pros- Have they ever actually prosecuted everyone at age seven? Do you know of like? Oh yeah, they they prosecuted folks who were at age seven. It was it was mostly the the thing about it was mostly like small like low level offenses. Um, but still, it was like why are you using juvenile the juvenile justice system to punish a child for like disorderly conduct which he's seven we, he's yeah, seven yeah, yeah. i mean I can't, even remember, assembly. I can't even remember what kind of kid i was at age seven honestly i, I wasn't a good kid in my teens but yeah, yeah. age seven i'm like i don't know yeah. i mean i i probably had a couple moments mm-hmm. i mean i think mostly i was a good kid at that age but I, you know yeah and we, we we go up to the state house all the time and when we ask you know legislators like hey did you do anything around age 7 to 12 that you potentially could have got arrested for? They always raise their hand. Yeah. Every, every single one of them. And the ones that don't, we know they're lying. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, they don't, I mean, I don't even remember. I mean, <laughs> I, wish, I know I have, must have had a temper tantrum somewhere. I uh-huh. mean, isn't that what you do when you're a little kid? Yeah, yeah. You, like I, I, I stole candy from a store once when I was 7 because, I, you know, it was one of those um, bulk item things where you just grab it, yep. and, you know, and you're supposed to put it in a bag. But I just assumed, I didn't see a price. I was like, oh, yeah. Free stuff. <laughs> yeah, free stuff. <laughs> 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 so uh, okay so juvenile the justice yeah. they raised the age so it's now up to 12 year, okay uh it's up to 12 we also instituted expungement uh which is way better than just regular sealing that um is supposed to you know protect you protect the viewing of your record but expungement is um one only one uh misdemeanor a very low level felony could be completely erased from your record and you have to not have offend, not offended, and it can be only one actual charge. Um, and I think it's around three to five years after you uh, turn the age of eighteen. Does that automatically happen? No, you have to actually you have to ask for it. Yeah, so. you have to ask for it, go through the whole paperwork process. Yeah, which um, is still frustrating in a lot yeah, of respects. Yeah. But and there's only one charge, and you can arrest it for several at one time anyway. So yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> there's that. <laughs> uh, we uh, um, got increased funding for diversion programs, which is like um, just finding alternatives to arrests, um, which has really been a big focus of my particular work, um, such as like, hey, if someone has a mental health issue, you shouldn't arrest them, but you should find uh, ways to have them be put in therapy or some other reforms that could better work for them in the long term and short term. Sure. sure. Um, because right now in DYS, over 60% of young people have some kind of mental health issues. Well, I can imagine. I can imagine. Uh, I mean, it's only natural. Yeah. <laughs> if you're in DYS, you're probably, there's a reason why you're in DYS. And exactly. Usually it's r- related to your family, which is going to create more mental health issues. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's only natural. Yeah. <laughs> I think anyone who grows up uh, hard <laughs> in difficult circumstances probably has some mental health issues. You can't almost help it. Like in No. You know, it's, yeah, and then we uh we also passed parent child privilege. And I think this is like a yeah. uh, I want to just cut you off too. No, I'm no. sorry, <laughs> just because just because I this is something uh, on the podcast lately we've been featuring a lot more and talking about and just hearing about it everywhere. Even in like our like the people who you think should be really well off, like a mm-hmm. Chris Cornell, like people are. We're looking at uh, for the first time in a long time mortality rates going down, and mm-hmm. it's because of suicide. Yeah. It's because of drug overdoses. It's yeah. because of, you know, which is uh, in reality kind of like a version of suicide. You know, even the, the smoking thing that I do is mm-hmm. a version of, you know, it's it's 
And a lot of it is depression and untreated mental illness. Mm -hmm. It's like an epidemic. We keep talking about the opiate epidemic. Yeah. Even bigger than that is this mental health epidemic. And we're seeing the school shootings and mm. all these other issues that are going on in America right now. Um, yeah. How do we yeah. how do we deal with that? Like, I know you're you're running for city council, uh -huh. but that is, I think, one of the big issues that we see on the streets, too. Yeah. With the homeless and the addicted. Um, what's your plan for that? Like, because I think that mm -hmm. we are at an epidemic moment here. Mental so health. when it comes to the mental health issue, um, we what happens is so much goes unaddressed early on and eventually it just boils over. And like you talked about the uh, young man who was a wrestler, uh, young the the boy you, you mentioned who was a wrestler, um, who had found wrestling and it started to it started to put him in a great path, but an inner a bad a bad situation occurred and it took him off that good path and down to a bad path, and so what we have to do is we have to address these mental health issues early on. Uh, we have to have solutions that aren't based on account well they are based on accountability but they're based on accountability that leads to actual progress for a person um, a lot of what we do now is just punitive uh, even schools are punitive in general life it's just a punitive like black and white this is you did some bad so we punish you kind of thing right and so when we have folks um, on drugs or have mental health issues due to the drugs that well, part of they're trying to address the mental health issue due to drugs. We shouldn't be punishing them and acting like, oh, it's your fault that you're on drugs. Like there are folks who are like, oh, you know, certain people who overdose, it's their fault. It's, you know, it, they did it to themselves and we didn't look at why they were in that situation in the first place. And we have to really relieve that stigma. Uh, we have to go, like I said, go after the core issues as best as possible. And the city of Boston itself, has to make sure that if we're talking about, you know, this huge ec epidemic, we're addressing these opioid issues at the core, not just providing safe needle sites and things of that nature, but actually having... Would you support safe needle sites? Yeah, I would yeah. support... I Yeah, I do support safe needle sites. I agree with sites. you, though, but that can't just be the yeah. only thing we do. That's, yeah, exactly. That would be like a band-aid. Like, even in those safe needle sites, we need to have people have access to re rehab, if possible, and it'd be funded by the city. Which I know everybody says, oh, taxes. I'm, but I'm down for that. I, I think it, it yeah, yeah. would save money and help. I would. I think it would help clean up the area more, too. In exactly. Way. And it's just, if we're, we're essentially saying we don't care about these people who've gone down this dark road, but we're, part of, we're partly to blame because we didn't have the resources available to prevent that from occurring in the first place. And so we need that. Uh, we, we need to be accountable we are our, the government has to be accountable for these situations as best as possible definitely we're speaking of lee nave jr vote nave.com is his website n-a-v-e is how you spell it vote nave.com lee nave jr running for city council district nine in alston brighton uh, in the city of boston when is the election september september 24th is our uh, primary runoff, and then the general is going to be November fifth. So there's how many candidates? Like five or something uh, like that? It's seven in my race. Seven. So yeah. you got seven candidates, and then uh, that's in September. Say the date again. Uh, September twenty fourth. Twenty fourth, and yep. then it goes down to what two in for the November? Yep. Okay. Um, so you're in a big race. It's definitely mm -hmm. contested. Yeah. Um, I'm really liking what I'm hearing. I, I want to ask you one thing because yeah, yeah. we we talked about your age. I don't want to be like this guy that always <laughs> focuses on like you know people's ages uh -huh. and things like that and ageism. But no, I like. Because at age 30, I didn't have that kind of uh, depth or understanding. I couldn't 
I'm there now. Mm-hmm. You know, it took me a long yeah, time yeah. to get here, honestly. How did you get there at age 30 where you can have that kind of understanding and kind of compassion for people? I, I just am always in awe of younger people mm-hmm. who I feel like are on the same level. Like they And they got there quicker. So I wonder, how did you get there? What's your story on it? Yeah, it was, it was quite a journey. Like uh, when I was uh, 11, my dad started buying a lot of Section 8 properties. I'm originally from St. Louis. And so he, he was able to find a lot of affordable uh, Section 8 properties. And he would provide housing for uh, very low, moderate income folks. And during this time, I met, you know, I met with, met with folks. Um, I actually had to help him evict people on occasion. Mm-hmm. It would be people who would have like $50, you know, a month rent, but then spend it all on drugs because of addiction issues that were going unaddressed and so i learned a lot early on i learned a lot uh because i you know one 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 particular instance i um was pretty much bagging up someone's entire life and taking it to the trash can and they came up out of the bushes and they were like hey that's my stuff and I uh, I started talking to them, uh, learned a little bit about them, and then I went to talk to my dad, and you know he told me the whole situation because I didn't at the time I didn't know what you know was going on. what was going on. He just told me get get your butt in the car, we're gonna clean out this house. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> you know I did that, and you know I started to really learn. That's how I started really gaining compassion for folks because it, it was a uh, the, it was a woman. Uh, she was the mother of this kid who was only like two or three years younger than me, mm. and so I'm like this kid who pretty much looks just like me, were in two different situations. Like right. my, my dad was never rich or anything like yep. that, but we never were in that kind of situation where my mother's addicted, uh, we're homeless now. And the stuff's I, in a bag on the street. Yeah, stuff's in the bag on the street. So I started really early on to really move my life in the direction where I'm focused around helping people. And so like at 16, I started working at a, um, a nonprofit in St. Louis that worked with uh, middle school kids as a mentor i helped train mentors who were adults around my around 17 or so and so i learned a lot on how to work with young people parents um just general people in general and i've continued to do that in my entire life have that kind of compassion for folks and also when i was 17 uh, my dad and i had an issue that uh, put me out i got put out the house Uh, (laughs) and so you know i learned like the basics like Budgeting, yeah. <laughs> uh, bills, rent. Yeah, Sounds taking care of myself. Were you out for good, or did you come back? No, I was out out of his house for good, but I ended up moving in with my mom. But yeah, that there was a situation situation there too. So eventually, I was out, and I went to college. Like, didn't talk estranged from both my parents, pretty much. Oh, really? On yeah. college on your own? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I packed a suitcase, uh, <laughs> got on Amtrak. I can't imagine that. <laughs> you, you're, you, yeah, that's like uh, growing up really young. Yeah, right, right, right away. And event like both like I'm in great relationships now with my parents, um, and we've evolved beyond that. But those experiences really early on, not only on meeting people who were in bad situations, but also my experience of like growing, being forced to grow up. Those are those would help me propel to me now at 30 years old to be able to do this stuff. Like I, I I've been with the same woman for 10 years. Uh, like I'm just constant education, career, all that stuff. Like I was just like I was like pushed to get do everything you're like 10 years ahead of me (laughs) everything bro (laughs) 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 so uh we're speaking of uh lee nave jr vote nave.com uh 502-501-3477 is our phone number 
you got a call or a question, you want to weigh in on any of the content today. Maybe you want to talk about cannabis. Maybe sure. you want to talk about Jill Stein. Uh, there's other issues, transportation, housing, could be uh, MBTA, who knows? Whatever you want to call in, we're cool today. Uh, housing, let's talk about that now. Oh, yeah. What, what do we do about housing? Because people always say, we want more housing. Yeah. We, need, we need to fix the housing problem. But there's not many solutions being offered. I don't see anything that's really, that I see moves the needle. I see people talking about changing the percentage of affordable units yeah. and a little tinkering here and there. But um, other, you know, we had Quentin come on from Cambridge, and he mm-hmm. seems to want to uh, build more public housing and, and, and you know, just build more housing in general. Um, where, what do you think? Like, w- what's the solution? What are you pushing? So I, you know, when I first started this election, um, you know, I, I, I went around the community and I asked folks, you know, what are the biggest concerns in housing in Austin, right? And, uh, you know, everybody talked about the 20%, like, oh, we want to reach, w- Boston only has a required of 13% for affordability for uh, new developments of 10, 10 units or more. So I was like, oh, okay, 20% sounds great because Cambridge and Somerville have that right now. Exactly. And I, I, I definitely realized that's not nearly enough. Uh, <laughs> that's not nearly enough. So I've actually been one of the few, I think I'm the only person in my race right now who's publicly declared, maybe somebody else did, but I didn't see it, um, the support for rent control as a, at least a short-term solution. Uh, because I understand right now that in order to get more affordable housing, it actually has to be built and allocated and zoned for. Um, right now, even with the affordable housing, which is about 78%, uh, 78K medium, in- medium income of the city of Boston, a lot of folks in my community can't afford it. Definitely. There's also a five to seven year wait in Austin. Exactly. Brady. So it's like, okay, we can say we want more affordable housing, but when is that actually going to become available? And well, you know what else we find out too, because you know, I'm very familiar with the affordable housing is people are either too rich or too poor to get into. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you know, once you you know when, what i mean by that is like you may qualify but you don't have enough money for the de- deposit you mm-hmm. can't afford to actually pay the pay the what what they call affordable or on the other end you make just a little bit too much you make uh, an extra 100 bucks a year you're over the limit of what you can make and it's a low amount and so you do have a deposit you could afford to live there but you just make a little bit you make an extra 1000 bucks a year than what they say you should make yeah. <laughs> when you're still poor, I mean, because most people around here, like you said, unless mm-hmm. we're making over 100 Gs, I mean, it's it's very difficult to live around here, uh, especially when most a lot of people are still, you know, making under 30,000. I mean, this is the yeah. reality for a lot of people. Um, I know a lot of people are comfortable with their 50 to 70 to 100,000 and more. But uh, the reality is a lot of people are living on 10, 15, 20,000 dollars a year and and it's it's just too much too much rent too too expensive you talked about rent control because mm-hmm. this has gotten again brought up with uh some of the other uh city council candidates we've had on uh, especially in cambridge and somerville um we're starting to see some support for it but yeah. th- you know some of it is uh qualified mm-hmm. they're saying things like uh we'll support rent control but we want a means test we want to uh uh, make sure that millionaires aren't taking the rent control units and you know we're either going to look at net worth or income to determine that would you is that something you'd be looking at or oh yeah for sure um we also don't want it to be um we there's always concern we also like when we when we talk about the rent control item there's also the worries of owner occupancy for some units uh, like we're trying to raise that as much as possible so 
uh, we, we're trying to make sure that nobody takes advantage of the system if rent control is implemented in the city of Boston. Uh, so I would definitely look at mean ratio of incomes. Um, one of the big areas that really works, well, really, w I really want to look into is workforce housing uh, to base it off of the medium incomes of folks in Austin, Brighton. Uh, because Austin right now, folks are medium income is 46k, uh, and Brighton is around 58k. What is workforce housing? What does that mean? So yeah, it's supposed to be based off of the actual incomes of folks in a particular district or area of a neighborhood itself. Not oh, the, so what qualifies for affordable housing? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, inst yeah. Instead of having what affordable housing is, the city's yeah, medium what income. the city number says. Because you know Beacon Hill, South, you know South End folks make a little bit more money, and that's yep. bringing up the average. Okay. <laughs> So actually have it be based on neighborhoods themselves, uh, be their medium income. So people in Austin can afford to be in an affordable unit okay. or potentially be in rent control units. Okay. Yeah. And and so uh, the public housing, do you want to see more? Is that something you'd also like to see happen, more public housing yeah. built as well? I So I prefer government-funded public housing over private housing always um, because government essentially is not supposed to be in the, the, the business of making a profit per se. Um, and so the overall result is supposed to be something that's based on the best welfare for people, not some people. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I would be supportive of that right now um, though. I want the current go government housing that we do have to be better supported when it comes to equ equity as a whole. Like when I'm over in like Fidelis or Faneuil Gardens over in Austin and Brighton, um, I want them to be better upkept. Uh, and I also want parking to be better enforced because I know in certain, in uh, Fidelis especially, uh, developers for very expensive luxury condo units next door that they're building, they're parking in Fidelis and taking away their parking. <laughs> so I, I want them to actually be respected and their homes themselves to be better upkept as well. Like, I don't want to just build and then like forget about those folks, but also be able to maintain the ones that we have and better support them and then also build. Okay. Um, you mentioned uh, parking, because that, that's yeah. a big issue. Um, uh, Michelle Wu, Wu brought it up. Oh, yeah. You know, in Boston, they weren't even charging for parking permits. Mm -hmm. uh, where are you on that, number one? and. Uh, do you think they should limit the number of cars? Michael Flaherty, the city council, brought up how he had like 10 cars or something. <laughs> five, car five car Flaherty. Yeah, yeah. Do you think they should oh, limit wow. the number of cars or family? I mean, what do you think that they should at least charge per family, uh, you know, per, charge per car? Um, and also, like, par uh, beyond even parking, uh, we're talking about transportation. Yeah. Like, wh what do we do about those issues? Because that's a big issue in Austin, mm -hmm. right? And uh, the traffic and the parking. Yeah. So with all this new development, we've seen our traffic get completely worse. Like every day, like when I'm outside door knocking folks, they're always talking about the traffic's getting worse. And there's this weird issue, right? Well, it's not a weird issue, but it's when we, we look at the idea of making more units that are family friendly, folks automatically assume that those units have to have like two parking spots. And so I'm, I'm not really a fan of that. I'm actually on the, the maybe because I'm a millennial or whatever, sure. but uh, I'm I'm big on the 0.5 per unit kind of kind of ratio. And some places are doing zero in Somerville. Yeah. In certain parts of Somerville now, they're saying you if you live here, you have to basically sign a contract saying you won't have a car. Yeah, which I'm I'm not against. I'm not against that if if that's how they how they can actually address those issues. 
um, I definitely feel that we should actually have a uh, a fee or for a parking permit because it the streets themselves are a public service, right? And there public, was a re- they're upkept by the public. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You don't <laughs> we have pay to clean for them. That concrete, you don't pay for the road. <laughs> nope. And so, like, I, I'm in support of that. Um, I mean, I'm not that. I mean, it, most towns and cities do charge. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, from where I've lived, I'm surprised Boston didn't. Yeah, yeah, I, I know in shocked. Cambridge we always did. Like yeah, the, I lived in Cambridge a couple yeah. of years, and I w- and even small cities yeah. and towns that I've lived in, like you know, if you wanted to park at the beach or whatever, or park in the street, you know, most places you don't have to worry about that in the yeah. suburbs or towns. But if you did want to park in the town lots mm-hmm. and things like that, you had to get you know paying a fifteen dollar, you know, fee to get a special sticker. Yep. Um. So, transportation's a a huge issue we've been talking about. You mentioned uh, like the zero parking on development, things like that. What about this other idea uh, that's come up? Uh, oh, I wish I, I always forget his name. He was the guy that was against the Olympics, Chris Dempsey. Oh, you know okay. Chris yeah. Dempsey. Uh, yeah, I heard the name. Chris yeah. is uh, he was like no in Boston twenty four, and now he's like a transportation guy at the state. Mm-hmm. He's like a he has you know really good ideas. Uh, one of the things we kind of debated on, and maybe he's starting to move me over onto it, but I get worried that. You know, this is going to impact the working poor, but he's talking about doing what they've started to do in other cities like London, where they, uh, you know, charge you, I don't even know what they call this, like a tax, a fee uh, for driving during rush hour traffic, especially mm-hmm. like in Boston, like in the congested areas, you'll and now ch- you'll be charged like a toll, yeah, basically, for driving during rush hour traffic in Boston and other areas that are highly congested. Yeah. I'll uh, get more people off the roads. It will force employers to start finding other ways to get their employees to work. Um, in the, in, in the, you know, way past, I guess in the seventies and eighties, uh, there used to be some employers that would get van shuttles mm-hmm. and drive people to work, uh, to just cut down on the congestion. But we've kind of backed off on that because we've had such cheap gasoline for years mm-hmm. That didn't become an issue like it was back then. Uh, what What do you think? I mean, what do we do? Do we? Would you look at something like that? Would you support something like that? I would. Um, which I know a lot of folks are like, "Oh no, no, <laughs> no!" I I would because there there needs to be something. We we have the worst traffic in the country, apparently. Right. We and really do. I mean, even today, <laughs> driving in today, I'm like, this is going to be easy Sunday. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah, the tunnel. Yeah. It was just ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> And, and I remember how bad it was when I had to come in every day, and and, mm-hmm. and I know people have been doing this for years, and they just keep saying every it's get, it really is getting worse. It really is, yeah. you know, and I'm like, I was saying that for a long time, and it really was like it's just how much worse can it get? Like, yeah, it's a, I wonder. And it, it, it definitely can get worse uh, <laughs> the more <laughs> we develop, <laughs> yeah, and have so, more. So, uh, you know, because the big concern about this, we're talking about congestion pricing, yeah. I think is what it's called. Mm-hmm. I mean, um. You know, it's almost like a tax on people who drive uh, into Boston every yep. day. You know, if you're living in Wakefield or Linfield or uh, coming from the South Shore, driving into Boston in your car every day, going up the expressway, they're going to charge you extra for being in Boston during those peak rush hour times. If you come at, you know, f- you know, 2 in the morning, you're probably not going to get whacked on it, but no, that's yeah. the <laughs> idea of it. Um, some people have brought up that this is going to hit the working class the hardest. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris and others have said there's a ways to make sure that doesn't happen, to exclude, you know, working class people. I always wonder about that because yeah. I, I always, 
you know, what they who they consider working class and yeah, who yeah. they consider poor. Probably be the same medium income of seventy eight or something. Right. <laughs> so what what would you where would you stand on that? Like how would you make sure that you know, someone who's making thirty thousand dollars isn't getting whacked and they can't even mm -hmm. afford to go to work anymore? Well the sad part is the reason why so many people are driving is because we have such terrible public transportation to begin with. And so we'd have to improve that if we were gonna actually put this tax into place. Like I it's really hard for me to say, hey, I'm going to tax the hell out of you uh, for driving because I've made public transportation so terrible you can't even think of that as an alternative or it's just too too extreme for you to even get to work. Like I've, I've talked to um, some folks who work in Austin and they, they live in Mattapan and this guy was like, yeah, it would take me an hour and a half to get here. <laughs> Is it crazy? Yeah. And how <laughs> he basically could walk there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the same time it would take to get a train. And he's not lying. Like, yeah, yeah. I, mm -hmm. I, I've done routes and stuff, and people don't get it until they actually do it. And mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, you could pretty much walk there at <laughs> the same time. Yeah, I... I I, it's not that close. Yeah. I mean, that far. I mean, Mattapan to Alston, how far is that? Like five I, miles? It's like, like six or seven, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like I used to, last summer I spent a while, before I started becoming a biker, I, I like spent a while just walking to work because yep. the green line is just... So bad. It's terrible. I mean, I would do that a lot too yeah. when I was living in Cambridge. You know, mm -hmm. if I'd be in parts of Boston, I'd be just like, yeah, I'm just going to walk home. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's yeah. just like, why bother? Yeah. It's just, you know, why wait? <laughs> and I'd get home quicker. Mm-hmm. And I'd save the uh, two bucks. Yeah, <laughs> like we're 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 trying. We just implemented a new uh, bus bike lane in uh, a part of uh, Austin, and we're hoping more of that can be inspired around the city to speed up the public transportation uh, and also for easier transit for bikers as well. Um, so you support more of the like the, the separated bike lanes, yeah, yeah, the yeah, safer bike lanes, yeah, safer bike lanes, but also you know with the bus in, in included as well uh, because we we want those two particular trans forms of uh, transportation to really excel and be thought of as a, a true alternative over driving. Uh, so yeah, we're working on that a lot. Awesome. Our phone number again is 502-501-3477. Uh, there's a lot also going on cannabis uh, lo locally too. Uh, there's big cannabis control hearings coming up that we're definitely going to be all over. Uh, we definitely think you should uh, submit testimony to that. I want to ask you about cannabis. Where mm -hmm. are you on this issue? Uh, are you supportive of it? Uh, do you have reservations? Um, and you know, where are you on like social equity and, and making sure that it's not just these big billionaires corner in the market in Boston? Yeah, I, I'm a big supporter of it. Um, like, I, I actually had a lot of cousins who got arrested for cannabis back in the day, uh, so I'm I'm happy to you know it's it's legal, but I also want folks who been arrested for not not just possession but dealing to have opportunities for for you know ownership at some point i don't think it's equitable at all to be honest like there apparently there's like uh i actually talked to a um there's a guy who owns a, the vape shop at cleveland circle uh and he's trying to you know get a cannabis license over in brighton and you know i had a an hour-long conversation with him talking about the lack of equity in the system like you need to have like 150k ready to just even be part of the application process. So you have to get investors, which means you'd have to sell part of your business off or you'd have to already be part of a b big corporation anyway. Right, right. And so when we're talking about like, you know, black and brown people having the ability to afford this, you don't, you know, in a city with black people having the economic uh, net worth of $8 right now, right. <laughs> I don't think folks can afford 150K to just for initial investment. Yeah. 
and then it's uh, more money and more money and more money. It yeah. just gets, <laughs> this is a problem. People start out off okay, and then two years later, they're still waiting for the license, and then they have to sell out yep. right yep. when they're <laughs> at the finish line. Um, let me ask you, because there's other, with you know the cannabis issue, there's the shops, mm-hmm. but there's also secondary businesses that we're looking at uh, that aren't fully licensed yet. The yeah. Cannabis Control Commissioner is working on them, um, which include delivery, uh, mm-hmm. delivery only, um, and especially uh, social consumption. Yeah, which is uh, are you aware of what that means? I think you are. No, no, yeah, social consumption. Yeah, yeah. licensed places, yeah. almost like a, a, a coffee shop where uh-huh. people can yeah. actually consume it there. Yeah, uh, I went to one in Barcelona. It was yeah. great. <laughs> would you? Would you? Because they're going to do some kind of pilot uh, mm-hmm. where I think it's like ten cities or towns across the state that try it out first for the Cannabis mm-hmm. Control Commission. Um, Boston seems like a you know natural place for it just because there was such a big vote for it mm-hmm. and it's a you know it's a city um where it would be really popular oh yeah would you be supportive of that in the city I, of boston yeah i would um i'm definitely supportive because you know we have bars right <laughs> right it's like there there's some so many like just speaking completely frank as possible there are so many regulations right now that are a part of this whole cannabis industry too many regs right it is beyond it's ridiculous at this point like oh 500 feet from a school because mm-hmm. all of a sudden these five-year-olds will just be like oh yeah i gotta smoke weed now because i saw this uh the shop right i can understand of course no don't smoke right outside right. or anything of that nature you know i understand that yeah. and i definitely understand making sure that young people don't have the access or ability to go into those shops sure yeah that makes sense but there's just in general um, too much that there makes are too much. Like one no of the sense. regs that we hate now, all of us hate it. It because of what it's doing to this world and the environment. Why I don't even want to go into those legal pot shops. Mm-hmm. It's because they they have a regulation in there that says every joint like that they sell, every package of weed has to be in a child resistant package. What does that mean? Plastic. <laughs> So you go in there and you get an ounce of weed. Like in the mm-hmm. old days, you know, or even today when yeah. I s- still see my friends, I say, yeah, I want an ounce of weed. Give me an ounce of weed and, or a half ounce, whatever you're getting, a quarter. And they give you a little baggie yeah, yeah. with your weed and you're good to go. Yeah. Well, you walk out of a dispensary and you walk out of there with like 10 pieces of plastic like this. Mm-hmm. And and then they put another bag over it. So like it's bag of it's plastic up on plastic. You don't walk out with one little Ziploc bag. You walk no. out of there with like ten, fifteen like hard plastic containers plus other bag. Like they package everything way too much, and they have to. Yeah. And it's like, what are we doing here? This is another regulation that is just not good for Massachusetts. No, we're creating all this plastic junk. I thought we just banned plastic bags in the right? city. Right. <laughs> So that's something that needs to be looked at, too. Yeah. I wonder if you could uh, maybe bring that up at city council <laughs> if you're elected. Less plastic on the know, weed. <laughs> and, yeah. And, and and some people are, have come up with some solutions and design things, but it costs like three to five, ten times as much. And uh-huh. that's a problem. And dispensaries don't want to do it because there's already a ridiculous cost. Yeah. And so it just becomes a bigger and bigger issue. Um, but I want to make sure that people are listening here because I see a lot of listeners. I don't see a lot of comments or calls today. Um and I know a lot of, not everyone that listens to our show is in Boston. Mm. Um, and I know a lot of people listen for the cannabis, and uh, we definitely will talk cannabis. But this gentleman, Lee Nave Jr., votenave.com, no matter where you are in Massachusetts, 
He just said he's down for social consumption. He's running for city council. He has a chance of winning. He's one of seven people. We gotta support him. We gotta. This is this is why th- we do politics. This is why it's important to come out and and why we do the show to have guests like in like Leon so that we can say, hey, this is how you're different and why we're we're we're, we're supporting you. I like a lot of the candidates in this race. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I don't want to go all the endorsement, but you're endorsed by me. Like <laughs> when you said that social consumption and all the other stuff you've said today, I'm with you. And I think a lot of our listeners are, you should be giving him money. You want to see social consumption in Massachusetts and Boston? Give votenave.com five bucks, four dollars and 20 cents. You don't have to give him the end of the world. You can give him more if you got it. Yeah. But, you know, if, if, if 20 or 30 people gave 10 bucks tonight, you know, that makes a difference. That, that shows the con- contributions. It, it increases everything for him. Um, and it also shows the candidate that you care about these issues that we're talking about today. So I think people need to start getting active on this if you really want to see the cities and towns make some changes. And especially in the bigger cities and towns, the mm. Bostons, the Somervilles, the Cambridge. Because this is where we can get things done. And when things start working here and getting done here, it gets transferred to the places in the suburbs and the other places in the states that they look to. Yeah. You want to say anything else about it? Oh, yeah. Like like I mentioned, like I, um, I about a year and a half ago, I went to Barcelona uh, and I saw uh, a social, social sitting, you know, a social situation where... Yeah, we got a phone. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, we, uh-huh. we don't usually screen calls. We got someone on the line. Who's on the line here? Hi, Mike. It's Patrick Wilson. How are you? Good. How you doing, Patrick? Not bad. Not bad. I have a question um, um, for your guest, actually. Okay. Um, we've been talking about marijuana. I just want to take it away from that for just one second. I would like to hear his thoughts on, I don't know what they call it now. It was the BRA, the Boston uh, Redevelopment um, Authority. Thing. They changed the name of BPDA or something like that. But what are his thoughts on the council's ability to make them more accountable? We definitely need a lot more um, power on that. They actually can. They're they're actually in charge of approving a lot of the affordable units in 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 the city, especially in districts. Um, a lot of the debates on certain projects, like the Austin Yards project, you can have a city councilor weigh in or a state rep weigh in on it, but the overall decision of approval usually goes to BPDA, um, which is all appointed by the mayor of Boston. Right? Yeah. How do we change right. that? How do how does that get changed, Patrick? How do how do we? Because we could talk about my it. My understanding, but. my understanding of, of this is that part of the oversight there lies with the mayor, and part of it actually mm-hmm. lies with the governor. I'm not. It's always been a confusing thing yeah. to me with regard to that. And part of my issue with that is that when you go to the when you go to city hall and you, you see them make their yearly presentation mm-hmm. and they talk about the different parcels of land and whatnot there's no accountability for for that land they're just juggling these things and you know basically waiting for the opportunity to give these parcels to uh, this developer or that developer. The public doesn't seem to have any oversight over any of this. Or no. even know what's going on. There's no transparency either, which yeah. is, yeah. Right. There'll, there'll be meetings here and there. Of course, like the major projects, they'll come out, they'll, you know, co-present with a developer and talk, you know, talk to the neighborhood about it. And, you know, the neighborhood will file complaints, uh, ask for certain adjustments like additional green space, more affordability, 
so you know argue against some variances that may occur but overall mm-hmm. <laughs> the final decision right. still goes with them yep that's 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 kind of what we've been seeing so yeah. anyway hey thank you very much i just wanted to get your your two cents on that all right no problem at all thank you for calling in thank you and patrick Hi. before you hang out what do you think about his bar- cannabis answer too you know, I love all of his answers. I like the I I like the fact that he's open about talking uh, about the cafe sort of situation. Yeah. Um, that he's talking about the the amount of regulations because I was listening to you a second ago. You talked about all these pieces of plastic. I mean, if I buy an ounce of weed, uh, if I have to sit here and and, and pour tw- you know twenty little little uh, pill bo- pill bottles out onto a, a plate and put it all in the containers that I normally put, it's that's extra work and it's waste and it just seems like a pain in the butt. I'd rather get it in one bag from the guy I usually get it from. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Plus, it's cheaper. I know. It's, that's the other issue. Yeah. Thank you uh-huh. for calling in, Patrick. Right on, man. Peace. Take care. Good call. 502-501-3477 if you want to call in. That's an old friend, Patrick. He runs uh, Activate Boston. He's got his own uh, station going, his own show, and uh, he's a big supporter. I think he still broadcast, rebroadcasts our show on there. I don't know if we could be getting him the podcast, but he's a good guy. I've known him for a long time and done some actions with him. I really like Patrick a lot. Uh, if you want to... Oh, we got another call. We'll take okay. another call. Who, who Who's on the phone? Yo. Yo, who's this? Troll J. Simpson. Check oh, it in. Troll J. Simpson. What's up? <laughs> Calvin. What's up, what up brother man? What's up, Troll J? <laughs> it's good to see y'all on here with the homie Lee Nave. Salute, salute to you, sir. Thank you, thank you. Um, I have two quick questions. I don't know if you guys talked already about. Uh, I don't have really policy. I know I know Lee on a lot of these issues, but uh, have you guys talked about Kim Janey's uh, marijuana inclusion bill? Mm. I call it green reparations. I hear they're really close to passing that. Yeah, it's really it, it's. It's a really good. I actually talked to our policy director about it. I so it's originally it was part of uh, Somerville uh, passed a similar bill, um, and Kim Janey and one of the uh, city councilors, a guy named JT. I forgot his last, last name off the top of my head, but he's a city councilor in Somerville. Scott, Scott yeah, yeah. So I had a long conversation with him about it, and I learned a lot from him. You know, like the um, the great equity work that they're trying to do in Somerville and how. Uh, they're trying to repl- uh, replicate that in Boston, and so I'm I'm a real huge fan of the entire bill itself, and I definitely support it. Yeah, they're close, man. So talk to Siomo, make sure he's on board. They might be voting on that very soon. Okay. And then my last quick question is, um, would you support a I law? Like, wait, wait, wait. I gotta that, I gotta stop right there. I like the way you think, uh-huh. Troll J. You're asking this right? the candidate running for the office to talk to uh, the city, the the city council who's leaving to vote the right way. Because Siamo right. might not write the way, might not vote the right way, but uh, oh, his vote is very needed, especially Lee, on the way out. Yeah, Lee yeah. would though if Lee's in there, he will. All right, go ahead, Trojan. Sorry to cut you and off. And the last one, the last one, and it's, it's highly important to me, and I know to you, Lee, as, mm-hmm. as a, someone who supports hip hop. Um, but if someone knew where Tupac was today, should that person be mandated by law to tell the authorities? <laughs> No. Tell us at least. No. Because you're sitting there. Oh, yeah, not tell the authorities, but tell us. Because I just want you to oh, okay. know that you're sitting there with the brother that knows where Tupac is. I've uh. seen videos to prove this. <laughs> Mike Crawford knows where Tupac I, is. I don't. Nah, let no, the man have I his don't. freedom. I, I, I have some ideas, but I really don't know. I really don't know. I think he could be in Cuba, but I think he's dead. But uh, that's a conspiracy theory. Yeah. 
that's someone ripping one of my videos off and uh <laughs> covering my face and changing my voice and making it seem like some crazy conspiracy theory and it got more uh, views than any video we've ever put out and troll jay loves to laugh about it he thinks it's funny Mi millions of views they legit had you in like yeah. silhouette like, where you like, like, like i was like the, uh, yeah i was the deep throat Right, right. Uh, but yo, I, I miss you, dog. Peace what happened? We're screwed because this is like, uh, you know, now they're talking about deep fakes, right? You know about uh -huh. this, Calvin? This is the future. No. Like, I'm the first one to get deep faked. And now, like, people, like, not that. Okay. So basically, deep fake is uh, a new media thing where they can basically make Barack Obama give a whole speech and, and slap a baby in the head and it's not Barack Obama or it's me and they put my put Barack you know what I'm saying it's like CGI wow. so you can't trust oh. the videos you're watching anymore and this is going to come out in this election <laughs> and for president it's going to be uh, an ongoing issue for this world <laughs> is now we're not going to be able to trust the videos you know what I'm saying right yeah. Well, that one that that YouTube blogger did was definitely you, just FYI. Oh, it was me, but he changed the uh, <laughs> the meaning of the content. He, he it was very interesting how he did that. <laughs> yeah, it got millions of views. So. It did. He changed the title and uh, clipped a couple key places and made it seem like it was something it was not. Oh, I'm gonna check that out. It covered my face. <laughs> yeah, you gotta check. Yo, that out. Lee, and then they labeled him like industry insider. Yeah, <laughs> they were like an industry insider says that he knows where Tupac is, and he uh -huh. shoots to a clip, and his freaking mic. Yeah, in, in silhouette. Yeah, and I, I have no inside information on Tupac, except right, I was born the same. Except oh, I was okay. born the same month and year. That's oh, that's, that's it. Adding to the I'm, I'm giving my, I'm oh, giving no. my age Adding away. to it. Yeah, you just made Adding that all worse. It. We're both born to sing them now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there I am go. Tupac. Single right? mother in Brooklyn, I just, yeah. I, I mean, I'm, you know, no, I'm not Tupac, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I mean, I'm going to get myself in trouble before this is over. What have you done right, to me, right, Troll right, J. Right. Simpson? Help me out. <laughs> Just, just, do it, just do what my troll I'm sweating. You got me. I'm like, I'm like when they got Alex Jones to admit he's Bill Hicks. I am actually sweating right now. Right, right. <laughs> well, if you just tell us where Pac is, man, we, we'll forgive you. I told you I'm Tupac. It's me. <laughs> yeah. Yo, peace, y'all. I miss you, Mike, man. Lee, good luck on the trail, brother. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks for calling in, man. Thank you. Peace. We had some good calls. We got more calls uh, that we're trying to ring in, too, as well. Uh, if you want to get your voice on, do it now because we're open. We have an open line. We only take yeah. one call at a time. 502-501-3477. We sorry, we're sorry we're, we missed some of your calls, but call right now because the show's almost over and we want to get it in uh, before we go, especially if you have some questions yeah. for Lee Nave Jr. It's votenave.com. Yep. We also do have some comments online I should take a look at. Uh, uh, what do we got here? We did have a few comments. Now I always can't find them, of course. Yeah, that's how I work, yeah. <laughs> it's always... Uh, Lauren, uh, friend of the show, says the rent is still too damn high. Oh, yeah. All right, we'll take the call. We got another call here. Hey, who's on the line? Who's on the line right now? Hello. Hi, who's this? It's Lauren. Hey, Lauren. Hey, we just talking about hey, you. Hey, what's up? <laughs> what? We were just talking about you. I know. I was just watching the show. I wanted <laughs> to say hi. <clears throat> How's it going? Um... It's going good. Good job. Uh, you know, I've been liking everything Lee's saying. I'm, I'll be voting for him. So, um, hopefully, everybody else in my neighborhood does too. I'm working on that. Are you in his district? 
Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> District Nine. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we don't have any aliens, um, but you know, we we're doing it. <laughs> right. Exactly. I kind of I love that we're District Nine, but uh, you know, I see, I see a lot of other people running, but I like I like I think you know, leads at a lot of real stuff and stuff that really connected with me and you know, people that he's he's fighting for a little guy and I like that. So I'm thanks for having him on Mike and I want to give him more of a platform because I'd really love him to be representing me in city council. Awesome. I, I've liked a lot of what I've heard today. I, like everything yeah. of course. What what yeah. are some of the best things you said he's fighting for the little guy? Like what do you what is some <clears throat> of the other things that people should know you well, like about Lee? Um I'm big on rent control. You know, I'm also doing a lot with Ben Simon as you know. So, you know, anything mm. that's gonna make housing more affordable for regular people and be able to keep us in our neighborhoods um you know obviously you know he's pretty courageous on that too he's you know not beating around the bush i like that um all the criminal justice stuff you know that's that's a big issue too uh i've heard him say things like that you know he he gets it he gets it so right on good job and you know i hope people come out and vote uh in in september and then november um i'd really like to see him win so and people can get registered right now for this election yeah. if they're not, right? I know. I saw kids setting up shops to register people, too, like up the street from me. So I'm really hoping that people actually stop and, like, register. Because, you know, I've even been talking to my friends that are, like, my neighbors. I'm like, you guys got to register. Just vote for who I tell you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> You should, you know like what you should do is like, you get some registration papers and do it for them. <laughs> I know. Just every time somebody has a house party, yeah, just yeah. bring the registration forms. <laughs> you can. You That's can do, do that. Yeah. And you turn, them, you turn them into the cities or town, the city clerk. Yep. Make sure they get in, you know? Um, yeah, that's the plan. <clears throat> we're, we're the Young Jerks. Uh, thank you so much for calling in, Lauren. Yeah, thank you. Thanks. Good to talk to you. I'm actually going to uh, another campaign thing right now. So Who? Yeah, uh, Ben Simon. Oh, cool. Very nice. Where's that at? Yeah. Uh, over in Cambridge, he's having like a house party, campaign party thing. He's got some bands playing. There's going to be some raffles. It's going to be sweet. Awesome. Tell uh, Ben I, I, yeah. meant, I meant to get back to him. I know you're in touch with him. Uh, he was hitting me up on another show date. We'll definitely get him on. Uh, we're just yeah. We're just working on some things here. I, it's a, I think it's about mm -hmm. time we should make a special announcement too today about the show. We're, we're I forgot to say we're at Dick Boston Studio today, which we love in in Charlestown. Um, we love nice. to be in in Boston and Dick Boston. Uh, however, we are we are really happy to announce now that uh, the Young Jerks is about to get a new permanent studio space in Somerville, Massachusetts. Nice. Woo. Yeah. Very nice. So disrupt Boston. Wait, is that the same one that I'm at? I think it maybe. I don't know. We'll find out. We'll talk about it offline. <laughs> <laughs> we can't give away too. Yeah, and and plus, I don't tell everyone where we're at anymore, Lauren. <laughs> you know? Okay. I'm much more controversial. <laughs> I'm much more controversial now. There's a bunch of proud boys <laughs> out there. <laughs> uh oh. Oh. Don't worry. You know. You know. I'll, I'll be standing around waiting to punch him. So. Yeah. I'm not worried about <laughs> that. Actually, I'll beat him up. <laughs> yeah but uh thank you for calling in lauren thanks mike i want to talk to you soon i'll talk to you later okay definitely bye lauren bye, have lauren. a great day bye guys you too bye. lauren pespisa lauren pepsi former co-host on the show 502-501-3477 if you want to call in we're the young jerks we're here almost every saturday but today it's sunday and we're kind of switching it up we may even switch to sundays we're not sure we're you know Life is difficult between Murphy and my schedule. It gets really hard. We may even go back and forth. Just stay patient with us. We'll, we'll, you know, 
Let us know if it makes a difference to you, though. Like, we want to hear. Like, do you prefer Saturdays? Do you prefer Sundays? Because we have our ideas. We want to hear what our audience thinks, too. Do you care? Do you like the option of us uh, sometimes being on Saturday and sometimes being on Sunday? A um, lot to talk about, too, in cannabis. We kept teasing cannabis. We did talk a little bit about cannabis. Uh, we're going to be covering a lot more. Uh, me and uh, Grant Smith and myself are currently working on a story, a couple stories uh, that people may be interested in. It's midnightmass.substack.com and Dig Boston, where we generally publish those, as well as Greenleaf Magazine. We'll take another call. Let's take the call. Who's on the line? Hello, Michael. It is a, an old friend. This is an old friend? It's an old friend I'm hearing. Yes, yes. I haven't talked to you in quite a while, but it's when, it's good to, to see you, that you, you're repping the heart of the, uh, I like to say, scene. Is this in Austin, Brighton today. Yeah, is this Frank Fox? Um, this is this is Frank. Yes. Oh my wow. God. See, I don't I don't forget voices, bro. Well, this is a hard voice to forget, you know. Awesome. What do you got? You, you you're heavily invested in the arts community, or you hate it or love it? Like, what what do you think about Austin in this community? I don't like to be pigeonholed, but the the fact of the matter is that Austin Brighton is the heart of the scene. So I figured I I might have some. Some questions for for Lee because he's he's running right yeah. for yes. something. Yes, he is city council in Austin. Well, see, there's a thing. It's really cool there mm-hmm. when there's bands playing in basements, but when there's all these these companies that come in and kick them out, it becomes less cool. So I wonder what Lee. How do you feel about this? Because of the debauchery, you know. Yeah. The coolness has a. An evil factor, right? Oh yeah, um, you know, you know, there's, you know, there's folks who've come in, uh, companies who see a lot of success from Austin bands, and they they know the culture of Austin on the on the idea of they know the culture of how they could potentially make money off the culture of Austin, and so we definitely need to protect all those great spaces that have had great music, like you mentioned, like basements, garages. I know, but those spaces are the houses, is what I'm saying. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, I know a lot of folks... There folk... needs to be a time that mm-hmm. it would be easier to have those shows in houses, but that's not the case right now. Mm-hmm. It, is it mostly, like, um, due to landlord issues or just houses in general? Law, law enforcement? Yeah, law enforcement. It has to do with the culture. The culture too. The culture. Yeah. The culture changing. And the cost mm. of living. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because I know a lot of. I'm the, just curious. You know, do, do you do you do you think the government there values that? And if so, would they be willing to make it easier for that to happen? I think the government right now doesn't value it enough, but I would, uh, because like I like you mentioned, it's the culture of Alston. Like before I even moved here. Uh, I knew I knew exactly, you know, all, you know, I knew all about the bands, the the artists and whatnot who have great spaces all over Austin Brighton. Um, we have to protect that or we lose the culture of Austin. Uh, and so if there's a way to have some kind of um, zoning for that, what well, I don't mean like, oh, you have to be in a certain neighborhood zoning, but more of a a concept of a time. You know, you can't do it at 2 a.m., of course. But if we can have 
longer uh, sound, uh, like, you know, sound limits because right now it's like 11 p.m. in most of Boston, if all of Boston. We should have that expanded uh, for Austin in particular. And we should also allow folks to, you know, uh, similar to uh, parades, permits and whatnot, just have permit, have the ability to have a permit for a space if they like to. You think it'd be easy to get that, though? Because you know what I mean? We're talking well, about we have like, to... being new kids that yeah, yeah. just want to have their new bands play in their mm-hmm. basement. I mean, obviously, there is a part of this that the the kids that do this that that are the heart of the scene and not just the kids but the, the musicians they need to be responsible doing it but at the same time it just seems like it's it's becoming harder and harder for for these things to happen and they're they're really what create the scene the community the people mm-hmm. yeah we uh i agree with you i agree with you fully on that it's just from a government standpoint, they always look at, you know, the worst case scenario and, you know, they'll come up and say, oh, someone might get hurt at this particular event and all that. And you, you, you're you talking about, you know, these are young professionals or young, young am- amateurs who want to really have a, a career. Be able I mean, to play in reality, I just don't want to get my can in trouble because he's just hanging out there and partying yeah. all the time. So <laughs> you got me again, Frank. This is why I only have you on yeah, every picture. year or two. Because you always out me. You're, you're, let I, me let me ask you this serious question. There was no screening process whatsoever. No, there is none. No, no. I've I've chosen not to call in. <laughs> you call. It's not like you, you see. You're too truthful too. That's the other thing, Frank Fox. You're very good at this. Uh, let me let me ask you. Uh, what what do you think could be done? Like, yeah. what do you, is there anything that you think would help, Frank Fox? I just think that they need to be lighter on the situation. That's all. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think that there's there's cities all over this country that don't care. Yeah. You know, and just you know the it's just it's just a, it's a culture thing. You know, like if we want it to happen, then let it happen. We're it doesn't about, seem like they they want it to happen right now. We're talking about basement shows in general in Austin. Just being able to use your space, it's really expensive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like basement I think shows. that's what most of the callers have been talking about anyways. Yeah. To, <laughs> you know, rent control. Well, yeah, the cost you know what magicians space. like to do in their, in their rented apartments? Right. Make music. I know, it's it true. Just seems, it just seems to be so counterintuitive at the moment. Yeah. And, you know, too, you talked about the basement shows, just, you know, because I'm caught up on that. I love the basement shows. And I think the law enforcement was really like harping on them in Boston. And, yeah. you know, you talked about the risks. And, and I think what everyone always fears is like a fire where there's mm-hmm. only one fire escape and everyone dies. I mean, there's always that risk. But I, I've been to these basement shows. I don't feel unsafe. Like there's never they're not big basements. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like you're talking a place where there might be 20 or 30 people at most, not. 150. You know what I mean? I mean, this is the thing, though. There's there's clubs in that city that I feel unsafe in. Yeah. So what's the difference? I know, right? Yeah, yeah. So I guess... uh, Anyways. Yeah, I thank you. Obviously, this is a real call, Mike Ken. I appreciate the the time and and, and all. I just thought it was, uh, you know, on subject. It's a very big part of of the area that you're running in, Lee. And uh, it should be brought up. It's a good call. I appreciate I agree. it. Yeah, I think it was a. I, I'm really glad you threw that in because yeah. that was something that, if I thought of it, I would ask myself. 
Yeah, you should definitely. Uh, I don't know if you talked to them yet, uh, or if you might be a part of them right now. Artist Impact, they're doing a lot of great advocacy for the artists in Austin. Uh, you def- I'll definitely bring their, your concerns to them, but you you definitely should reach out to them. They're they're that's their name on Twitter, and they you know they'll definitely like to hear your concerns as well as like address see if you see how collectively the issue can be addressed. I know Lee, but I, and I will look. I'll, I'll check them out. But what I'm talking about is just like ad hoc rock and roll. You know, mm-hmm. like it's cool when there's this, you know, there's companies and whatever running things, but there's something special about music and then the community that is created from it when it just happens. You know, people yeah. people get together and make it happen. So mm-hmm. I will look them up and I'm sure they're cool. There's a lot of cool people in that city that, that do good things. But what I'm saying is that what makes Austin and Brighton different is that you at least used to be able to do whatever you wanted and, and have a fun time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's like cities in America that, that want that. Yeah. Thank you for calling Frank Fox. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mike. Ann. Good to hear from you. Don't be a stranger. Call in again. All right. Thank you. Thank you. All right. We're the young jerks. I haven't heard from him for probably a couple of years. That's like a call for the past. Yeah. Yeah. We got, we got all kinds of callers here. It's funny when some of these trolls on Twitter want to come at me and say, you got nothing going on. No one listens to your show. And then I'm like, really? Because we get calls every week, and they're always different. Sometimes they're the same, some of the same callers. But we love our callers. We love every single one of you, new callers, old callers, callers we haven't heard from, 502-501-3477. And you know what's good about our audience, too? Like Frank called in today when he had a good question. Like he saved that. Like that, and that was like what he cares about, and it was the perfect time for it, and the perfect show, uh, in Austin, Brighton. So that's what we want to see more of. Call in on what you care about, what's important to you. We're with Lee Nave Jr. Vote dot com, District Nine, Austin, Brighton, running uh, for city councilor. I wish him the best. I I really like, uh, I liked you before, but I like you even more now that I've sat down with you and, and discussed and chopped it up. Uh, we've taken a lot of calls. Um, anything you want to leave our listeners with today? Uh, like, like we mentioned, um, like the questions and, uh, calls have mentioned, I'm trying to be as open as possible, uh, transparent as possible on my views on a lot of issues. I'm not a politician, uh, by, by nature. Of course, that's the job I'm applying for. So I can't just say, Oh, I'm not a politician, but I want to make your first sure. First time running, though. Yeah, it's my first time running. Yeah, <laughs> first so, time candidate. Yeah, first time candidate. So I want folks to realize that after elected, I'm not going to change, you know, who I am, and I would quit the moment someone would force me to change. <laughs> yeah. um, I want to make sure that folks realize that I'm definitely a community organizer and activist first, and I will be working on issues to the best of my abilities to be equ- equitable. Uh, best serve the people of Austin, Bryce, Brighton, and the city as a whole. And I hope to have your support on September 24th if you live in Austin, Brighton. And if you don't live in Austin, Brighton, please reach out to me for any volunteer opportunities. I always love, you know, donations, of course, because I don't have developers on my side right. uh, to give me $1,000 checks. Um, but I want to make sure that, you know, anybody who wants to support me in any kind of way has that ability to, if it be just words of encouragement, volunteer opportunities. Volunteer opportunities are, like I said, words of encouragement are great, too. (laughs) 
Definitely. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for coming in. Uh, VoteNave.com. I think you should contribute, especially, you know, I know we have a lot of folks in the cannabis community that listen. Uh, sometimes they're more strong on certain shows that we do and start calling in like crazy about it. Yeah. Um, they should be supporting you because you're for social equity. You're for well, everything that they want, which is especially uh, the, the consumption. Mm-hmm. We talked about that, the social consumption licensing uh, places. This allows the smaller players to get in. This allows uh, us to have what we really want to see, and especially in the city of Boston. Uh, we know it's going to be a fight, yeah. and we need more folks like you know, Lee Nave Jr. to be leading that fight on the Boston City Council for us. So, hey, if you want to see it happen, you got to give a little money sometimes. Like, seriously, it's not a lot of money. Give 5 10 20 bucks. It makes a big difference. It really does. Those... I do it myself. Like I, uh, you know, I, I haven't given any uh, him, you know, Lee Nave Jr. any money yet. But you can ask around some of the campaigns. You can look up my campaign contribution records. I don't got big money, but I give campaigns contributions. You know, and small ones, five dollars, ten dollars, twenty dollars, forty dollars, mm-hmm. just because you know what? Every contribution counts, and the more that contributions they have, that's the indi- indicator of a winning campaign more than. The person who has one big contribution from someone who's loaded. Mm-hmm. So our small contributions actually make a difference. They win campaigns. And I've seen it happen over and over again. So when we care about cannabis and we care about this issue and it's a city of Boston, this should be like our red zone. This should be like we're at the ten yard line. We just gotta push this in and score the touchdown. We're not gonna, you know, not go for it. You know, we're not going to play it safe. we got to drive it in. This is where it really counts. So I really think people need to get involved. We've seen it, and, and I think in the cannabis community, we've become more educated than ever on how important it really is to be to have representatives that, that listen to us, that share our values on the city councils, you know, because they're the ones who are making all the decisions right now around a lot of these issues around cannabis and especially the yeah. licensing and who gets to open and all these little rules that are going to come out next. So support Lee Nave Jr. Vote Nave.com. Spread the word. Invite your friends. Tell them, tell them to like his Facebook. He's on Facebook. He's on Twitter. Share it. Invite him. You know, that's another way you can help. Just invite your friends to like him and, and let them know why. Let them know all the issues that you care about. We're the Young Jerks. Uh, we, we're here every weekend now. We're not sure. I think, actually, yeah, we're going to do a show next Sunday, I think we've decided. So we'll be back next week. But we'll have a lot more podcasts dropping as well this week. Uh, we did something special last night, uh, a podcast that we just dropped late last night uh, with Jill Stein. We kind of did a little ambush interview. It lasted about a minute and 20 seconds. She didn't like the questions that Riccio and I was, were asking. And I just want to make sure that people are aware. Uh, Jill Stein, someone I've interviewed on my old show, The Two Hotheads. She's someone I've promoted. She's someone I've videotaped and, and promoted her on YouTube. And I've done a lot. I booked her at the Freedom Rally. I have a relationship. I've known her for a while. But I'm not, like, super close. And I'm not even sure if she recognized me last night. But that's on her. Because we did kind of ambush her. But once we started asking questions and we were civil about it, and I started to tell her that I voted for her, I, I'm shocked that she didn't ask us why, who we were, why we were there. I, and, and she didn't make a good case for herself. People, some people say, what do you expect? You ambushed her. Well, you know what? I expect in this day and age that you actually have a conversation with people. And especially with someone like myself who said, I voted for you, Jill Stein. 
and you're sitting there saying that Russia doesn't matter. We sat and watched you talk to this guy for 20 minutes saying that Russia doesn't matter, but the guy that you're talking to works for Russia today. And you're doing an event with him, and, and you're both like the co-headliners. I don't think she did a good job. We're going to play the clip right now to end the show. Um, it's getting a lot of viral heat, so we're going to end the show on this because why not? We did it last night. Some people don't like it. Some people say, you know what, Mike? I agree with you on every issue. This is where I jump off the boat. I like Jill Stein. This is all BS, this Russian stuff. I don't agree. And that's what I was asking Jill Stein. I said, you know, you say you don't agree, but people have been arrested. People have been jailed. People have been prosecuted. There are other uh, indictments that are, you know, unfilled because they're foreign national agents. <laughs> this is a real thing. Uh, and you did dine with Vladimir Putin. And I have even bigger concerns about, like, all this, uh, the media. Who, who, who is backed by who, you know, in the media now? Because it's not just Russia. It's China. It's Israel. It's America. It's all these countries. And some people say, well, why do you just want to focus on Russia? I don't. I don't. But I think it's very, uh, this is a valid question that we asked last night. And uh, when people get into these cults, and they get really upset when you uh, ask the tough mm -hmm. questions to the anointed ones. You got to wonder what's going on. And I and you know, if Lee Camp was with the CIA doing a show, I would ask the same stupid questions. You know, it doesn't even matter that it's Russia. It doesn't matter that it's Jill Stein. These these we, we we're standing for what we think is right. And I'm sorry that some people don't like it who are supporters of ours. But uh, these are the hard lines we draw on this show. We mostly do local because we don't want to get too heavily involved in these national types of uh you know fights politics that people mm -hmm. divide people so often we're going to focus on things in our backyard but this happened in our backyard last night and i do have a relationship with uh jill stein and as a voter as someone who supported her i want some answers and i wasn't happy with what i got last night so we're going to play the clip and end it there um i'm open if jill stein or uh the gentleman uh what's his name lee camp want to come on the show and follow up on this and have a real discussion about Russia, I'm open to it. I'm a fair, I'm, I'm an honest broker. Um, I didn't like her response. I am not the Democratic National Committee. I am not a power broker. I am not a professional politician. I'm the people. I'm, I'm what Lee sitting next to me is. You know, we're just average people that care about issues. And we helped her campaign. So I think she can do better. I hope she does better. Uh, for all, all of us. Uh, so we're going to play the clip and end it there. I want to say thank you to all our listeners, supporters, the guests that we get. I want to thank Lee Nave Jr. for coming in, votenave.com. And I want to thank Dig Boston for allowing us to broadcast uh, from their location and look for more stories from us in Dig Boston. Uh, I want to thank Grant Smith for working with us. We're working on some great new content with him. I want to thank Brian Riccio for showing up last night and asking tough questions of Jill Stein in this clip we're going to hear. I want to thank Murphy behind the board who produces everything, Disrupt Boston. Uh, we're out of here. I want to thank all of our callers today as well. Too many to remember them all. I know Patrick called in, Lauren. Uh, uh, we forgot about Frank Fox. Thank you for calling. I and think I troll. missed one too. Oh, who? The troll guy? Oh, and the Troll J. Simpson. Yeah, troll J. Simpson. Yeah. yeah. So I want to thank you all for calling in. And uh, I want to thank all the listeners and people that comment and share the shows as well. And again, a couple things you can do for us. Number one, check out votenave.com. 
Give them five bucks, ten bucks, twenty bucks if you can, please. And the other thing, or give a lot more if you can. Um, and the other thing is follow us on Twitter, The Young Jerks, on Facebook, The Young Jerks. But big time, give us reviews on iTunes. There are other places you can listen to. Uh, if you're on one of those platforms that allows you to rate our podcast, please do so. It makes a big difference to us. And share it with your friends. All right, we're, we're the Young Jerks. Uh, I want to thank you again. Mike Crawford signing out. We'll see you next time, next week, or maybe sooner on the podcast. Have a great week, people. Dr. Stein, do you plan on having any uh, dinners with Putin before the next election? No, I don't plan. I'm sorry, what? No, I don't plan Okay. On what do you have to say to the people who say you're complicit in the national nightmare we're currently enduring? <laughs> what, about, what about him who's working for Russia? I voted for you, so I, I'm, I had you on my show way back, my yeah. and, and uh, I, I, I question it now. Got, like, I'm, I'm kind of going towards the Democrats, because of the Russian issue. I don't feel like you guys have dealt with it, so I'm wondering, like, this guy works for the Russians. Like, he, he, he actually does I, work for you know, RT, right? I, I think that the Democrats are very worried about their political challenges. So they have now revived McCarthyism, which is... Fascism. Um, Fascism and which is in full swing right now. You don't think those are crimes? Like the Russian. I think uh, there are absolutely human rights problems in the, in Russia. Russia is not a model. There was a protest. On the in. other hand, on the other hand, we are not. Uh, I should say we are not at war with Russia. We have two thousand nuclear weapons. But you know what? I actually want to hear this. So. Uh, Every day, their life's here to help you live a higher quality of life. The massive product selection at their Wareham dispensary features superior quality flour, vapes, edibles, and more, all derived from locally sourced growers. Experience unparalleled customer service from experts whose knowledge will help you become smarter about your options. Located 10 minutes from the Bourne Bridge, make Verilife Wareham your last stop on the way to the Cape. Reserve an order through Leafly, and you'll be on your way in no time. Open seven days a week from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. The good vibes start at Verilife.